Thank you for tuning in to our Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. Uh, for more teachings, uh, go to boldasalionministries.com. Uh, we have all of them posted weekly. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to our iTunes, Google Play. Uh, use all those resources, play and download as much as you possibly want. Also, we're running a Project 500 campaign where we're trying to get 500 sponsors at $20 a month uh, to go towards our media ministry so that we can make it bigger and better for you every single week. We hope you enjoy our teaching. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. A lot of people think, well, I don't want my kids to rebel with me if I spank them. Well, if you spank in irritation, they'll rebel. If you don't follow through with your spanking, they'll also rebel. There's a balance here. You can't spank in irritation. you got to spank with sound-mindedness. They have to understand why they're why they're getting the spanking. Why are you getting the spanking? Because I violated a law. Whose fault is it? The child's fault, not the parent's fault. So you train them while they're getting the spanking. Whose fault it is? That way they take ownership instead of pawning off on you. Well, if you just didn't make that rule. See, that's what happens. Now they become rebellious towards the law. Well, why can't I do that? How come I have to be home at ten o'clock at night? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Why are you even asking that question? When you go get your own job and you go get your own house, you can create your own curfew. You know? So, anyway, my point... I don't know. Does that make sense? When they start lacking trust, they start questioning your authority. And there's signs for that. When they're questioning your authority, that means they're going to be questioning the law that you've laid down. Makes sense? They question it. That makes sense? So you stop this by, there's a few things that you can do that will help squash rebellion. Okay? You build respect for your normal voice. Always follow through. And you communicate effectively. And the way you do that is you have them communicate back to you what your expectations are. Um, If your child is not communicating back to you effectively what your expectations are, you will create a rebellious child. Okay? You've got to make sure that they are communicating back to you what you've said to them so that the same page with your spouse as well. Otherwise, it can be a very conflicted matter. Yes. Rebellion also means that a child lacks taking responsibility. They want to blame their parents. They want to blame their friends. They want, to, and these are the guys that end up in jail and prison, you know, because they will resist even the law of the land. You see. The reason why we have, we create um, law and order in the house is so that when they become an adults, they'll learn how to be humble and respect authority in society. But also, number one, so they'll learn how to respect their authority with their Heavenly Father. You know, I, t- I make my kids say yes, sir, so that when they hear God's voice, they say yes, sir. So, this is these. I don't know why we got any. Well, resentfulness. This is it's all the same thing. Rebellion is a sign of resentfulness unforgiveness even vain imaginations you know most parents love their children some parents just don't have wisdom on how to love their children that makes sense 
They love their children. Somewhere along the line, they might have got selfish, and now they understand all their feelings, why they feel this way. They still understand. And just because they started bad when they were a year and a half years old. You know? Look at society now. Just look at how our society um, resents children. They feel like children are stealing away from them. Children are a blessing. If well, you, I feel like most most twenty year olds now. I know I did felt like I had I had the right to be a child still because I didn't get to be a child when I was a child. Right, which you know is just yeah, I mean? <laughs> just victim mentality. But yeah. at the same time, most people don't play that because they don't know right from wrong. Right. You know. And that is, that's just immaturity. I want to be a child. I mean, come on, right? Think, I mean, think about, I mean, I'm not ridiculing you now. No, You're obviously, no, no. I mean, that's what it is. but let's come out, let's come at that for a minute, you know? I mean, come on. You still want to be a child? Like, how childish is that? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? You still want to be, you want to digress. You know, all your life you want to be an adult, and then all of a sudden when you're 20, you want to be a 12-year-old yeah. with no responsibilities. I can't, I've said that before. Man, I wish I was just a little six-month-old, didn't have to do nothing. Just let everybody pamper me, mm-hmm. change my diapers, wipe my rear end with a nice pampered, you know? My point is, it's just child ways. The scripture yeah. says we've put away our childish ways now. We've entered into manhood. But see, we're afraid of manhood a lot of times, yeah? Because yeah? manhood means we take responsibility. A lot of responsibility. It means I have to answer. Answer to who? I gotta answer God. I saw a lot of men in my life that didn't take responsibility for nothing mm-hmm. but themselves. Which is why little things, man. Well, little things matter. Your children need to see you as a dad taking care of little things. You know, I'm getting convicted right now. You know, the Holy Spirit is slapping my hand. The little things that are at the house didn't get t- didn't get taken care of. Why is it important? My children need to see dad taking care of business. You know, I respected my dad. Why? Because he fixed things at the house. And he fixed things in a timely manner. You know? It's interesting. It is. Why? Because that's what the Heavenly Father does. He fixes things in our lives. He's right there, man. So we got to be a good example of our to our children with our Heavenly Father. We can't be lazy. We can't be sluggards. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a good word. If we, check this out. Even if I had it made, if I was a millionaire... I wouldn't want to stop working. Why? Because I don't want to train my children that they're not supposed to be working. You know? There's a deeper investment besides my pocketbook. We wouldn't give this vehicle for no reason. That's right. Now we can watch television. Mm. Yeah. That becomes self-worship. You know? Entertain ourselves. Dangerous. Yeah. But now, now we got in our own. Oh, my phone's recording. Uh, now we got it right in our hand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. This has replaced our relationships. You know? I got a thousand Facebook friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my best friend. Know. Yeah, my best friend is sitting with me on the couch and I can't even talk to her. Right? Because <laughs> I'm on Facebook. You know? <laughs> or my children are trying to talk to me and I'm... Well, let me just watch this video real quick. Or, or you're trying to talk to your children. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm talking about even me. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm spilling the beans on my on some of my own, you know, issues. Uh, it's crazy. Interesting. 
You know why? I mean, I check this out. People might think, oh, well, I'm good. People go to work, you know. Look at those people. They're on the clock and they're on the phone, you know. Right? But, but do you do the same thing when you go home? Which is worse? To be on the phone around your family? But not at work? Because I do, I do a pretty good job. I, well, I'm on the phone only way because of business. You know, I'm always communicating with people. But at work, I try to keep any play out of work. You know, I try not to go through Facebook, you know, while I'm, at, while I'm serving here. But then I go home. And I'll be tempted with getting on it while I'm at home, you know. But I really need to be with my family, you know. Anyway, my point is, this Facebook has a place, you know. Um, I preach the gospel on Facebook, you know what I mean. Everything has a tool. Everything is a tool, but anytime it is abused, then it becomes the devil in our life, you know. Anyway, so did we get that pretty good? Y'all felt like. You know, I, I mean, for real. I mean, I'm so proud of my wife. She's been working hard on the house and getting things done. And you know, when you have four kids, it's really difficult to. I'm proud of mine as well. To clean up and stuff, you know. Um, you know, but I think my wife has really taken a big pride in it and taking care of the home. Yeah. And uh, that's huge because that's my children need to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this has literally been a conversation we've had. Well, why make the bed? It's just going to get messed up again tonight. Right? We can reason with that. We can reason with that. But I'll tell you what, man. Something about order in your life. You make the bed in the morning. Uh, because, dude, we are we are people who clean up. We're people who fix things. Yeah. To make things in order. That's what separates us from animals. If you think about it. <laughs> the animals don't make anything neat. You know, well, maybe they do. But my point is, there's order. And, and I create, you know, a sense of, urgency with my children to say we need to get the clothes folded we don't need them having lying around and you know and piles being wrinkled i don't fold my cold clothes just so they won't be wrinkled i need a bigger purpose than that you know what i'm saying is my, <laughs> well I, if i don't care about what people think about me then i don't care whether i'm wearing wrinkled clothes and a matty beard and whatever you know what i mean if i if i really didn't care but i should teach my children uh deeper deeper principles you know uh, listen, it's important that we fold our clothes because everybody here needs clothes to wear. It's important that we have a clean house. It creates peace, you know, instead of everything being in disarray. So we don't want piles of clothes because it creates uh, stress, you know. And and we why does it create stress? It's because it's something else hanging over our head, something else we put off, you yeah. know. And I teach my children how not to put things off till the next day. If it can be done today, you do it today, you know. And so you teach your children how to accomplish tasks. Just by folding clothes. You know? This is how we accomplish tasks. This is how we get things done. You know? And so you'll just, just by those little chores, you train your children how to prepare to be a success at work. How to be a success at school. You know? Hey, everybody carries their weight in the family. There's no such thing as getting off at 5 o'clock. But we are living to retire, man. Our whole life. We just live to retire. I'm just, just ready. To, I'm ready to clock out now. I'm done. I know, man. I used to work at CC's. And I get off 14 hours a shift, and I come home and I just sit on the couch. I wouldn't do nothing, you know. And 
It just shows you where my love ended. That's all. Even now I'm looking at it like, golly. Wish I'd seen this back then. You know? The moment you clock out in your heart is the moment when your love runs out. If there's still stuff to be done, you know? Now, sometimes it helps to have both parties helping, you know? I mean, if one person doesn't do anything, one person's doing it all, you can get burned out, you know? That's why it's important to have healthy relationships and work together, you know what I mean? But, <clears throat> still, my point is, we got the moment you're not willing to serve is the moment that your love runs out. And that's when you need to find a bigger source for your love. Because if you're looking for your love from your spouse, you're never going to find it. They can only love you so much. They're a human being. You know? Jesus Christ loved us so much he laid down his life for us. You know? we got to get to the point where we're loving so much we're laying down our life for one another. You know? It says The scripture says, outdo one another in good works. Outdo one another in good works. Like, it is a... I'm worshiping... If I outdo you in good works, I'm worshiping the Lord. It goes to the Lord. I'm not doing it for you, really. I mean, I am doing it for you, but I'm doing it for the Lord. Why? Because it pleases Him when I outdo you in good works. <laughs> it does. It does. People say, wow, man, that guy's... They might even say, well, that guy's a workaholic. My dad outdid everyone in good works, man. My dad worked... Never stopped working. My, my brother joked one time, dad's just gonna die with a hammer in his hand. <laughs> but dude, I learned... I learned my dad loved us, man. Yeah. He was serving us. Now, sometimes people run to work as a workaholic and trying to escape reality you know what I mean they don't want to face things that can happen but if it's done in the right heart man it'll teach your children how to go out of their way and go the extra mile you know what I mean amen when you love someone you do whatever it takes you know I love my family I didn't want my wife having to go to work outside you know I wasn't opposed to her working outside but we had two three kids at the time uh, now we have four but you know I wanted my wife to be able to stay home with the kids so I did my best to work however long I needed to work to make sure she could stay home with the kids you know and give and let so we could raise our own kids you know so I'd go to work uh, Hastings and then I'd go to work at the radio I was working two jobs you know trusting the Lord asking him what I'm supposed to do and next thing you know I'll go work at CC's I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week, you know? Whatever it takes, man. I was going to do whatever it took to take care of my family. You know what that taught me? That taught me so as my father. My heavenly father would do whatever it took to take care of me, too. And he does. And he does. Scripture says this, if, um, if a person doesn't take care of his own family, he's worth an unbeliever. It's actually talking about widows in that situation, by the way. I don't know if y'all know that. It's not actually talking about um, just your kids. It's talking about your uh, widows. It's saying if your parents check this out, that passage, it's First Timothy. Let's go through. First five, no, chapter chapter five, verse one. Do not rebuke. This is First Timothy, chapter five. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. This is talking about keeping respect for your elders and not being rebellious. You know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as a father. You know, you go up to a man who's doing something wrong or something you feel is not right. If you're younger than him. Or, or let's say you're even under him in authority. You know, an elder might not just be an older man, but it could be, you know, someone in authority. You would go up to him and, hey, man, um, you would encourage him. You wouldn't get on him. You would encourage him. Hey, man, uh, 
I just want you to think about this. It's up to you. You know, you don't have to do this. But it's just something I was thinking about. You begin like that. Humble, respectful. If he respects your opinion, I'll give it. If you don't respect my opinion, well, I guess I'll back off. You know, that's that's being humble and that's being encouraging. I just want to encourage you on this. Even my, I'll tell you what, this is how humble my dad is. My dad is my older. My dad is my dad. He's been raising me and six other, uh, seven other kids. And one day I was doing something that he didn't approve of or that he didn't think was right. My dad was so humble. He came up to me and says, Zach, you know, there's a lot of things I did growing up that I, a lot of things I did with you, you boys that I kind of wish I didn't do. And he said, you know, the way you, you did that with Michaela in, in the store today, you know, I, I just don't know if it's right. And I'm thinking, well, I want to cry even now thinking about it, you know? That my dad, my senior, the one who raised me, taught me everything I know about parenthood, would come to me and repent to me about something he did when I was a kid and that he was now seeing me do to my children. And he says, it's not necessary, Zach, to do it like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, he, anyway, um, and I just learned from him, you know? Uh, and why? Because my dad, and even in that moment, even though he was my elder, he was grandpa, those are his kids too. Think about that. He respected my authority as their father and didn't come rebuke me. He came and encouraged me. You see? It was sort of a rebuke, but it was more of an encouragement. It was more of, hey, if I could, if I could just speak into your life, if I could just give you another piece of advice as a father to his son but recognizing you as a father, as the authority of your home. He'd even tell me, Zach, it's your family. It's your kids. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids. But this is what I recommend. You see what I'm saying? The respect and honor is powerful. I get goosebumps all over myself just thinking about it, you know? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm going to keep on going. So younger, uh, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows. Watch this. Honor widows who are truly widows. What's our definition of widow? Their husband died, right? He says right here that's not a true widow. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn. It might also be um, someone who is a widow who maybe... Their husband left them. I don't, I'm not sure if that's what it means or not, but just throwing that out there, you know. But a widow was someone who didn't have someone to take care of them. They, were, they couldn't take care of themselves. According to Paul, a widow was someone who couldn't take care of themselves and there was no one to take care of them. That's a widow. Okay. Um, honor widows. Honor. Honor. Like honor. Highly respect the widow. What, this is why. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. We should take care of our mothers when they're old. Watch this. Let them first learn to show godliness to their old house to their own household and to make some return to their parents. Return back to your parents what they gave to you your first 20 years. <clears throat> for this is pleasing in the sight of God she who is truly a widow left all alone 
has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. So let's say this widow has no children, no grandchildren, and no husband. Now she's all alone. No one's going to take care of her. Okay? Uh, Left all all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So a woman who doesn't serve others, who isn't hospitable, he's, he's saying... Those people don't make the list. It's interesting. Uh, Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. Watch this. But if anyone does not provide for for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than a believer. An unbeliever. (laughs) So he's talking about children. He's look if you if you don't take care of your parents, then you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty tough. You know? We should, anyway, the point is, we should be taking care of our own. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the, all the, of, of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Those are the widows that he says get pro- top priority. Interesting. You know? It says, but refuse to enroll younger women or younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Which I don't understand all that. Just be real. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers but also gossips and busybodies. Saying what they would not or should not. So so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. Um, anyway, so that was just a side note. But my point is, uh, we're talking about family right now, you know. I don't even know why we're talking about family. We're just being led by the Holy Spirit on this one. We're supposed to take care of our families, man. We're supposed to take care of our, uh, you know, be men of, of being sound-minded, solid, you know, with our children. Being respectable, you know. Um... You know, I'm when I when I train my ch- listen. Here's another thing. Think about it. When a child cries, why do I pick him up? This this shows you where your heart is right now. If my child is crying, why am I picking him up? To get him to shut up. That's selfish. That right now tells you how you parent. If you pick up your child because he's crying because he's annoying you, then you are a reactive parent and not a proactive. Okay, now that's a really tough one. Now I, I say that as a as a blanket statement. What I'm saying mainly is there's probably areas in your parenting that are very reactive instead of proactive. Okay, if this is how you respond, when my child cries, I tell my wife, "Hey, they'll be all right. They'll get over it." You know, why? Because I can listen to some crying. It doesn't bother me. You know. Why? Because I love my child, and I don't want him thinking that every time he cries, he pushes a button, and somebody picks him up, and coddles all his bad emotions. At a very young age, I'm already teaching my child how to overcome their uncomfortable situation. You're going to be okay. You're not dying. You're not hurting. I already checked your diaper. I already fed you. I already wiped your face. I already, already did everything for your needs. Don't get me wrong. You're supposed to have intimate time with your children and hold them, right? But if that's why you're picking them up, 
then that's good. But you should be picking them up anyway. But if they always feel like they have to have you, then you're not training your child right. Everything you do right now trains your child from the very beginning, you know? So you've got to learn to, to train, you know, anyway. Does it make sense? It, sh- it says a lot about the mentality, you know? Now, I'm not saying you don't pick up your kids when they cry. I'm, my point is, why do you do it? And it will teach you how to do it better later on, you know? Next thing you know, I mean, if my if my child ever, ever got arrested and went to jail, I ain't bailing him out. He's going to sit there in jail. He's going to suffer his consequences. He's going to take responsibility, you know? But most parents, I'm going to go bail my child out. Why? Because he's crying. You're picking him up. He's still a child. He's still a baby. You're still picking him up. <laughs> now, I might really offend some people, but it's the truth. You go run to their aid every time they have a problem. Stop it. Teach them how to be a man. Teach them how to take responsibility. Let them fall on their face sometimes. You're going to have to let your child fall on their face. Why? Because you love them. Not because you're trying to... Uh, you're Not because you're trying to avoid uh, dealing with them. You're trying to teach them. You want them to learn. You're not always going to be there. You're not. You're not always going to be there for our kids. You're going to have to be there and teach them how to depend on the Lord. You're going to teach them how to take responsibility. How to not to make those mistakes, you know? You know, I remember uh, leaving my parents' house and, you know, my I remember we lived in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. And the neighbors sitting right next to us had two older boys. And they'd always come home. They were like 30. And they were living at home. 30 years old. Still living at home. And I said, uh, my, my they would go and then some, and they'd go get drunk or they'd do whatever they wanted. They'd basically people, their own selves pleasers, right? But their parents, I guess, had a problem not telling them no. Why? Because they were just picking them up every time they cried. Still as a little baby. Even now as 30 years old then. And my parents told me, my dad said, you'll never do that, Zach. <laughs> he said, when you're old enough to get a job, you will go get a house and you will rent a house and you will pay for your own rent. You will not come here and do that. You're not going to be a grown-up child living at home having us bail you out all the time. So that was established. And we see these kids coming up home at 30 years old. I, thinking, I, I mean, I just, it, it got in me. I, I said, I'm not going to do that to my parents. I'm going, I'm going to take care of my parents. When I'm old, when they're old, and, I'm, and I can, I want to I be so successful at what I do that I'll be able to bless my parents and take care of them if they ever need help, you know? I even talked to my dad one time about, well, I won't go into all that, but the, uh, the neighbor, so we found that out, right? So... When I went off to college, you know, my parents actually gave me a this small allowance, you know, and this was to help pay for things. And they're like, as long as you're in school, we'll pour this money into you. Uh, it was $240 a month, okay? So when I was in college, I lived off $240 a month. I was in my dorm room. I made $240 stretch a whole month. And, uh, of course, I could eat in the cafeteria. Everything was on school loans and stuff like that. But anything else I needed just came out at $240. I never asked my parents for anything else, you know? And I managed my finances. My, my parents taught me how to do a budget. So I managed my $240 a month, you know? And I just took care of business. did whatever I could with that $240. And I never asked my dad for nothing. When I went to college, I immediately thought to myself, I'm an adult, and I'm not going back home. When I finish college, I'm going to get a job. not going back home. I'm never going to ask my parents for anything. Why? Because my parents didn't train me up to, act, to, to become a child at the age of 20 or 25 or 30. 
They train me up to be a man and to take care of my own, my own self, right? So halfway through college, my dad comes up to help me fix a truck, water pump. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. My, my parents love me and they help me out, but I just never would call. If I ever needed a financial issue, I, did, I would not call my parents. I would never ask my dad to bail me out on anything. And the reason why was because it was a last resort, emergency only. And at that point, I would like have to go home, you know what I mean? Because I would do whatever it took. I'd go get two jobs if I needed to take care of business. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't going to go home. I was going to work my tail end off and do whatever I needed to. So anyway, my dad, halfway through college, comes up, starts working on my fuel pump. And he says, you know, Zach, we're really proud of you. We see what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you've never asked us for anything. And my parents had made a rule when I went to college. If I stayed in Wichita Falls, they'd pay for my college. But if I went off, I had to pay for my own college. I had to find my own uh, provision for that. So, and that was a rule. Like, I wouldn't, I was not going to go to my parents to help me pay off my school loans. I was going to go get a job and pay off my, stool, my student loans. So, two years into it, my parents, my dad's working on the, the truck with me, and he's like, Zach, you know, you never asked us for anything, and we're proud of you. You're doing a good job. Your mom and I, we've been talking, and we want to go ahead and uh, we want to pay off one of your loans. So, they paid, like, $2,500 or $3,000 off one of my loans. I had $12,000 in debt. They paid off like 3000 bucks of my school loans. They said, we, we've, been, we've been talking and we're so proud of you and you're doing a good job and we just want to, we want to pay for this, for this, uh, one of the, one of your uh, debts. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, okay, awesome. But I never asked my dad for anything. And so, and then later on, you know, when we were older and I had my kids and we were always working and you know, we really had financial struggles. My dad called me up. Hey, Zach, I won't let you know, man, if it really, son, if you ever, if it ever really gets tough and you just, you have to do it, you just feel free. You come home and you get, we'll let you stay over here in this room with your kids and you can get a job here and we'll be here for you. You know, but my, but I never did. And the reason why is because I already had it instilled in me by my parents to take care of myself. I'm a man, you know. So, and I would do whatever it took, man. I would pull weeds for 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 landscaping. I I, I was never above any job, you know. Why? Because it doesn't matter. A real man's gonna do whatever it takes, as long as it's legal. <laughs> a real man's gonna do whatever it takes legally to take care of his family, even if you're cleaning up bathrooms, you know. So, anyway, I think I'm gonna close out right there. Jesus is awesome. Father, I thank you, Lord, that. Kind of learn about resentment and being a man and being a man of truth, Father. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your inspired word today. And we just send everybody out in Jesus' name. Amen.